his building an unshakable kingdom. Oh, and it's in us. In us. This morning, my deepest desire this morning is that we are going to hear the great intention of the Lord. That we will taste his good intention. And we will hear the impression that the church made on Jesus' heart when he walked on the earth. And how the church was so impressed in his heart that his very life was the expression, was him laying it down in order that she would be lifted up, raised up. We are so, so loved by him. Like, really loved. Not like, oh, he loves us. It's like, it is such an all-consuming love that swallows us up inescapable. And I just, I just want to read this out because this, is, this prayer again and again always comes up for me from Paul. when he says, I read, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, from whom the whole family gets its name. <laughs> the whole family gets its name. We don't learn how to be families from our physical family. We come from the family of God, and it's from when, when we understand the family of God and its priority in our hearts, because we, it's the spiritual family that Christ, <laughs> that Christ laid his life down for. We become the best mothers. We become the best fathers. We become the sisters, the brothers, the children. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit. Listen, in the inner man. The inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, listen, being rooted and grounded in love. Grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. Right? With each other. What the width, the length, the depth, and the heights. Of his love, to know the love of Christ for which passes knowledge, that you, listen, (laughs) that you and me may be filled with the fullness of God. The, The fullness of God. The love of God is the fullness of life. The love of God is the fullness of life. I've come to know this and I'm learning and I'm seeing more and more. The fullness fullness of life is the love of God, the real love that, that grounds us, that is deeply rooted, that we cannot comprehend but somehow know. It's the love of God that conceived the church. It's the love of God that made all of creation her platform and the grand theater to which he was going to raise her up and display her, right? 
I've heard, I don't go to a church. Because you know what? He's in nature and he's all around me and he's in creation. Yes. But he chose his highest creation, his people, to come and dwell. And he said, it's in his people, the fullness I will be found. So if we want the fullness of God, we're found here. Not in this building with each other. Right? Because it says, for creation waits with eagerness for the children of God to be revealed. Even creation knows its place in Christ, that it's a platform, it's a grand theater, it's, it's, it's subordinate to the highest creation, and that's us. <laughs> the love of God, the love of God. It's the love of God that said, I will send a signal to the heavens the powers and principalities, that she is my instrument. That she will signal to, to all the world that she is the manifestation of my presence. That she is the inward, she is the manifestation of my glory. That she is the outward shining of my inward being. The hope of glory. The hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Can, can we hear the love, the love that sees us, the love that wants to show the world who he is through her? It's the love of God who says, I want to reign with her. I want to reign with the overcoming church who is powerful, who knows who she is, that she is sent with authority in my name to, to come in and invade the different domains in the lordship of Christ. It's her, her. It's the love of God who looks upon us and said, that is my temple. That is my temple in whom I will dwell. I choose them to be the present, physical presence on, on the earth. Right? I'm not, I'm not talking about a scripture that's out there. I'm talking about us. Right? What a privilege. It's our privilege. It's his power in how that happens. That we would be the tangible evidence that I, Emmanuel, am with my people. I hope we get this. I hope we can comprehend today what this love, the love that roots and establishes us in the faith, really is. Because if we can capture how we are the apple of his eye, that all things have been created, if you think about it, planet Earth in the universe, how looked after we are, I mean, the sun's on a certain axis, that if it's any hotter, would die if it was any colder. Would you know? It's on a perfect um, axis that the, that we can live in this climate and this temperature, right? The apple of his eye. But listen, we're we're not going to know that love, and that we are the apple of his eye, because only that life is found in Christ, because we are hidden in Him, and so we come into this all-consuming love that is so high, so deep, so wide. It's inescapable. But in it, we feel so 
cared for and looked after and seen, that, that everywhere we look in our own lives, we see that it has profoundly been made in such a way that we are the apple of his eye. But that life is hidden in Christ. That's where our identity is as the church. We're not going to find it anywhere else. Christ, the head of his body. The fullness of God in his body. This is his great intention for us. You know, I realized how loved I, I was by the Lord with the, when this, the brightness of this hope that I've heard This is when I started to really understand how loved I am, how loved you are. When I comprehended the wealth of God's investments of himself poured in to me, into you, into us, the wealth of his investment. Do we realize that if John 3.16, we all know John 3.16, if that's not impressed on the heart of every believer or the group of believers, that we can find ourselves as the very believers in Revelation 3.16, in the mouth of God. There we go. Ready to be spat out. Why? Because that lukewarm response to the Father sending his only Son to die, that she would be lifted up and be made whole to be the exact representation of his son on the earth. If that's received as, it's nauseating, right? You know, the Lord, when I first met him, he impressed me. (laughs) And he's made a lasting impression and I, you know, I have a feeling that it's going to be for eternity. And, you know, today, like I said, I pray that we taste his good intention and that it leaves a good impression, a lasting impression. One Sunday I was um, sitting here and uh, one of the songs uh, kicked off and the drums was was going and um, everyone started clapping and uh, naturally I looked at, at my daughter who's always doing some sort of ballet thing happening but this time she was stomping her foot with the clapping <laughs> and I was like, hmm, are we, what's happening here? Is she about to have a, a patty? What's going on? And I thought, interesting, she had this real serious look on her face as well and um, it wasn't until a week later that we were, t- me, and, me and my daughter, Shiloh, were watching the movie Sing. Has anyone seen the movie Sing? The kids, right? So Ash, the hedgehog, when she like stomps her foot, right? It's about a singing competition and this hedgehog belts out the song. But to, to get the crowd going, she starts stomping her foot and it's in tune with the clapping. And I realized that Shiloh had been impressed by Ash. And she was now imitating Ash. And, you know, it comes to this. What makes an impression on us seeks an expression. The things that impresses us, we, we can't help but imitate. We can't help but do as we see. So what impresses us? What impresses us? What, what in our lives takes our energy? What in our lives uses our time? 
because those are the things that have, an impre- have made an impression on us, and that's how it is expressed, right? In John 2, I was reading about how Jesus um, went into the temple, right, and he cleaned it out. Everyone know that scripture of when he cleans it out? And um, it says that he walked in there, and the people were selling the oxen and the sheep, and he gets a whip out, right, and he chased, well, he made a whip out of cords, and he, he chases them out, and um, overturning tables. I mean, if there's ever a time when Christ is expressing something, for me, I'm like, it's that time, right? And um, it says that his disciples in the time said, they remember the saying, the zeal for your house consumes me. The zeal for your house consumes me. And at, when I was reading this, I was like, Lord, I, is, this, is this the same temple that you went to at 12 years old? The same place where he um, desired to be in the house of his father and allowed the separation to be from his parents for three days. His parents kept journeying, not realizing he's not with them because he, he had a preference, a desire to be in the Lord's house. And it turns out it is the same temple. When Jesus is clearing out the temple, the Jews obviously are quite shocked by what's going on. And they say, well, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? In other words, what authority do you have to sort of come in here and throw things over? Who are you, right? He doesn't quite answer them directly, but he says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. They heard something else, right? So they say, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. We know that Jesus wasn't talking about raising up a physical temple, right? Because when he was resurrected, it's not like he went and built a temple, right? Because he responds with us. Or it says, why? Because he was speaking, listen, to the temple of his body. Of his body. I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's only recently dawned on me the raising up of his body wasn't just raising up of his body, it's raising up of his church, his temple. Mm, Right? The fervency to raise her up. Because remember it says that he put all things under the feet of Christ and gave him to be, be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Inescapable, right? The church who is his body, the very temple of his body. Colossians says holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints, ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. At 12, we see, like I said, Jesus having a preference, a desire to be in the temple, more so than his own parents, right? The temple not as a building, but as his body. See, and it wasn't about when he went in to cleanse that temple, it wasn't about 
the building, it was about what was in the people's hearts, right? That were within the building. Because why? Because it's his people. Jesus cleansed the temple and declared a new temple would be raised up, the temple of his body. And we know that this was in the build-up into the the climax uh, just before his death. The expression of the cross and resurrection, which was intended by God the Father, is the very life source of the church, right? The word raised up, listen to this, in, in this context means to cause to be born. Hmm. Cause to be born. Did Jesus need to be born again? Do we need to be born again? Cause to appear and bring before public. Bring before public. He wants to bring his church before the public. It's at the cross the church was born where she appeared and became public. John 3.16 does this impress us. Does this impress us? Because this is, this is where it happened, right? I want to take us to, to the point where Jesus is on the cross. And I just want to remind us particularly of this verse where the soldier had speared the Lord in his side. And it says that he was already dead at that point. But they speared him just to be sure. And what happened? Can anyone remember? Blood and the water came out, gushed out. <laughs> Today we know that medically this makes sense um, because of what was happening in the body, the heart and the lungs. But more than this, I want us to hear and I want to look at the repetitive substances that we find in the whole book of John. It's all about the blood and the water, the blood of the covenant, the water, the death and the baptism, the word, born again. Because it's throughout the book, and as we unravel that book, it's the church, his beloved, coming into being, the word becoming flesh. After Jesus died and rose again, he, he came to his disciples and he let Thomas feel what his hands and his side. So there's something about the side. Do we know when we first heard about the side? Genesis, Adam, Eve being taken from her side, his side. It says that the Lord put Adam into a deep sleep. And from that, he took this rib, and it says that he built up this rib into a woman. And when he brought her to the man, he said, this one, at last, the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh, the reflection of myself. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. She was so pleasing to Adam, just as the church is so pleasing to Christ, because she is the very reflection of himself. She has been made from his side. 
come out. And, it's, and then it goes on and says, this is why man, listen, leaves his mother and father and clings to his wife. And the two become one body. Can you remember Jesus at the temple left mum and dad, why? To cling to his wife. The wife that he, he desires that she would be pure, undefiled, devoted to himself. The zeal for your house consumes me, he says. We also know that after his resurrection, he goes to his disciples and he breathes on them. And he says, have the Holy Spirit. We know with Adam, in order for him to even become a living being, the Lord had to breathe on him. Breathe on him, right? The breath of the Spirit. As a rib is taken from Adam, who created Eve, it's the blood and the water flowing from the side of Christ that makes his bride, created his bride for himself. The blood on the cross is the same blood, right, as the cup of the covenant in that last supper. When you see, take this cup, the cup of the covenant, um, sorry, take this cup and give thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, because this is my blood of the covenant which poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The same blood on the cross that came from him is the very thing that atones us, but it it enters us into the covenant love of God. The covenant love of God. The water signifies the water of the baptism. As Paul says in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for, for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word to present to her to present to himself a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or blemish, but holy and blemish-free. Blameless, sorry. And blemish-free, really. I think as a church, you know, we have a very strong understanding that Jesus died for us. But I believe the real power is to die with him. Yes, he needs to die for us to enable and empower anything. But to be partakers is to die with him. It says in Romans, We therefore were buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just, listen, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him like that in his death, we will certainly also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old self was crucified. (sighs) Yes, (laughs) right? Right? It's the fullness of God. (sighs) That is life itself, is, is the fullness of God. The love of God. There, there, nothing, nothing is better in this life than Him. Nothing. You know, 
I hope also that we hear these acts, you know, when we take communion or when we get baptized. And these acts are all in itself beautiful things within the Lord. But what I really want us to hear that it's the church gets her entire substance. The acts are all within Christ, the head. The whole body is resourced by the very head, the person of Christ. The water of the baptism isn't the water in this pool. It's the water of Christ. The blood of the covenant isn't found in those little cups. It's the the very blood, the life of Christ that bled, that is infused with us. It's the Holy Spirit. It's his spirit. It's the breath of life. Not what we can do. It's definitely not our strength. It's him. We cannot be separated from him. Like a head cannot be separated from the body. says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The knowledge of him is not how we study in a book or the Bible. The knowledge is, is the brightness of hope in our hearts that he has enlightened our, the eyes of our hearts to the very riches of his glory. <laughs> Not by what we can do, but by the Holy Spirit himself who breathes on us. That knowledge is what he's talking about. The waters of baptism, the blood of covenant, and the Holy Spirit is where the church is formed. And Christ and the church are one. When Christ, it says, it says in Colossians, when Christ, who is our life... Listen, when, if, if Christ died on the cross out there for us, then we don't understand that he is our life. Because if we, if we catch that it's from his life, from when he laid his life down, from, our life has come from him, <laughs> from him, which makes him our life. Right? Can you hear what I'm saying? He's not part of my life. He is my life. Because I've come from him. I've been born again. I don't know. I feel like I'm just amazed by this. And, you know, it's, it's so hard to describe. But it's so real. And it's such a desire of his heart to have the real deal. And I, I want to be part of it, and we are part of it, and it is happening. But I, I pray that every believer will be impressed by him. That this house would know it's not a building, it's the house of the Lord. This is the future temple, the new Jerusalem that he is raising up <coughs> and building up. Remember the word raised up means to be caused to be born, caused to appear and bring before public. This is the born again church who has appeared as the manifestation of Christ on the earth, who will appear with him in his glory. The bride he will make public when he comes for her. John says, Who is the victor over the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
This is the one who came through water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by water alone, but by water and blood. The Spirit is one that testifies, and the Spirit is truth. So there are three. This is in John. One John, sorry. There are three that testify. The Spirit, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are of one accord. Are we impressed? I'm, I'm impressed. Greg said something last week. He said, the, the jurisdiction of faith is revelation. Is that right? I wasn't quite sure what the word jurisdiction meant. I kind of thought it was boundaries. I looked it up and it said, it's the right power or authority to administer justice. <laughs> That's the bride. When she comes to rule and reign, she's going to be administrating, administering his being, his, his way of doing things, his, how he sees things. <laughs> That's faith. It's that faith that we are to have to know how he functions, that we would do the same, that we would be impressed by him, that we would express the same, that he would be our ash. We can hear it, yep. One accord, one in tune with the head. Have we heard the saying that blood is thicker than water? Put your hand up if you heard it. All right, how many of us, like me, have understood it to be that the blood family, physical family, is, of, is a higher value and importance to us than the person next to us? How many of us would say that Jesus lived this way, with this thinking? Put your hands up. <laughs> no? <laughs> what if I said that he did? From the beginning, we see at the temple him forsaking his blood, his mum and dad, to be in the temple. Okay? That his whole life was about the church. At that point, of a, a spiritual, invisible thing, but with the very intention of the Father's heart, not yet made manifest. Do you know that that saying is actually the blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb? That's the true intention of that phrase. Jesus came for the blood of the covenant with his church, with his bride, for his temple. And Mary, oh Mary, the mother of Jesus. How many times did she encounter Christ <laughs> telling her, huh, the blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb, mum. Jesus, where have you been? Why have you caused us such anxiety? You should know, <laughs> mum, <laughs> that I'm in my father's house. What do you think Joseph's thinking? 
or when he's at the wedding in John, blood and water, doing his first miracle, turning water into wine (laughs) at a wedding covenant. And Mary says, Jesus, we've run out of wine, you need to do something. What do you say, woman? (laughs) Woman? (laughs) I'm like, shush, right? (laughs) I would not talk to my mother like that. He's like, now's not my time. What are you talking about? Whose time are you on? I'm on my father's time. His whole life was filled with intention, purpose. His days were filled knowing what what he was on the earth for, the apple of his eye, the bride. And every physical relationship felt that. Felt that. It's a, you know, the verse where he says, the zeal for your house consumes me. Do you know that? That was first said in Psalms by David. And it actually says, before he says that, it says, I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's children. <sighs> Listen, when we live lives that, that are the expression of Christ impressing himself on us, we choose We choose the blood of the covenant over the the water of the womb every time. Every time, because he did. We love him because he first loved us, right? And we're going to have times where, where it's the blood asking us, what are you doing? You're making us anxious. What are you on about? Who are you? You came from me, but who are you, right? Alien. But let me encourage you today, if you're experiencing that, it's because you're living for the blood of the covenant. And that is the fullness of life. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, and I want to make this clear today, that the, you know, the blood of the covenant, it, it doesn't mean that our family has to become alienated to us to, to, to be in covenant with the Lord, right? It's an all-inclusive. He died for everyone that no one would perish, right? He's calling, it's, it's an invite to all. And even when Jesus was on the cross and he sees his mother with his disciple, even then he shows a, a love relationship for his mother and he says, John, take hold of her as if she is your mother. Take her home, take her in as your mother, Ah, oh, what is that? That's spiritual family. Ta- treat the woman, the older woman in your life, like your mother. The men, treat them like your brother. Treat them like your father. Sisters, it's, it, the, spir- the priority of Christ was, was the spiritual family. And he modeled that so he can expect it from us. It's a true reality that we're called to. I want to ask us today, as believers, do we truly want the fullness of God in this life? And if that's not a desire, honestly, that's fine. 
but we're missing out on how high, how deep, how wide this love is that roots and establishes our faith. The love of God is the fullness of life. If we want a full life, we need to know the love of God. If we want the fullness of God, we need to know where he's pouring that out, where he's building that up, perfection. The spirit and the bride say, come. (laughs) I'm going to leave it there, and I'm just going to pray. Lord, you are jealous for us. And you deserve the perfect bride. It's not about whether I'm her or not, it's about what you deserve. And I pray that we would be a people that will lay our lives down for one another, that we would all be perfected in you. As Paul said, I strive and I labor to present the perfect bride. May we co-labor in the same heart to, to have the macro mentality as Christ did the bigger picture of what God is doing on the earth, that we wouldn't be consumed with the little picture. (laughs) That you wouldn't just be a part of our lives, but you would be our life. And Lord, I pray, I pray for the, the hearts of those who haven't been impressed by you. Not in a negative, not in a, Unimpressive, way. I mean like really pressed, where there's an imprint, a carving out, a circumcision of heart, I pray. I pray for every believer's heart, that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, the brightness of the hope that you're calling us into, the true life, the real life that is found in you, the fullness of life is the love of God. I pray that for, for the hearts that aren't quite impressed or can't quite see how loving you are, I pray, Lord, that you today will increase their capacity of how high, how deep, how wide your love is. I pray that if we haven't been born again, truly born again by the, by the Spirit of God, I pray that we would see that And we would ask for your spirit without measure to come. I pray the blood of the covenant, your blood that you poured out, you shed, wouldn't only just be a sense of forgiving sins, but it would be the enabling power to be risen again. 
into the fullness of life. I am so thankful for you, Lord. I'm so thankful for these people in this room. I'm so thankful. I've never been part of such a beautiful, living, powerful thing. I know what you have been doing here has been birthed from you. And I know you are building her up. And I pray that we will all experience it. That no one would be left, but will see and will partake. Jesus, the hope of glory in us.